if Josh Allen could have completed a pass, not the interception, but to himself. Yeah. So yeah. you would have had Josh Allen intercepting Josh Allen, Josh Allen catching one from Josh Allen, and then Josh Allen sacking Josh Allen. That would have been tremendous. Welcome into another episode of The Chop Shop. I'm Trey Wingo here alongside my good buddy, Mark Schlereth. Here in The Chop Shop, we're partnering once again with our friends at Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. Hey, when was the last time you seriously considered your dreams? I mean, come on, you used to think about them all the time. What happened? I say it's time that you and your dreams got back together. I mean, think about it. You could live the van life in a totally customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. You could tour all 423 national parks, build a mountain cabin with your dad, or even start up your own business. Really, whatever you want to dream up. And it's a Mercedes-Benz van we're talking about here, kids. So expect innovative safety features like crosswind assist and blind spot assist. Expect amazing performance and reliability with an MBUX voice command system, a five-star dealer network, and an available gas engine. It runs like, well, a dream. So what do you say? Head to the Mercedes-Benz dealership and get that Sprinter van. Tell them your dream sent you. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into another edition of The Chop Shop, where we break down what we saw in week nine and try to filter out the most relevant information that you need to know uh, in the NFL's regular season, which is an ongoing saga. Delighted to be joined, as always, by my good friend Mark Schlereth. Stick, we finally made it to the halfway point of the season. Well, that was that was halftime of yeah. yes, last week's game was the act, because now that we have 17 games, we just need to move it for no other reason. We need to move it to 18 game schedule so we can actually have a real midway point. Because this is this is driving me crazy. Well, the reason I was going with we're actually at the halfway point because there's 17 games over an 18 week season, so we're in week nine, which is half of 18. That's you're right. There's there's the whole you know off thing, but I was going I was going with the overall philosophy there. That's why you're better at math and many other things than than yours truly here. So uh, I didn't even think about it that way, but I like it. I like it. There you go. And, and I think we have to start with the game that got us to the halfway point. Look, once again, Mike Tomlin does the same thing that Bill Belichick does with rookie quarterbacks. He finds a way to beat them. I think he's now 23-4 and four as a head coach against rookie quarterbacks. But the thing that happened at the end of that game, Mark, uh, where – Cassius Marsh was called for taunting on what was a sack that could have potentially ended the game uh, for the Steelers coming up short before they could get the score to win. And then Cassius Marsh is called for taunting, and then he is hip-checked by Tony Carrente as he's throwing the flag. I mean, that was a bad look for the NFL across the board with what happened. Well, first and foremost, let's talk about the taunting. I mean, I get you get the sack, and then... I don't know what you're doing. You're going over to the sideline and, and looking at their sideline, and then you're talking to the punter. And, and, like, one, go celebrate with your teammates. I yeah. Like, that for me with Cassius Marsh, don't be a moron. Don't put yourself in a position to get yourself in trouble. That being said, the rule is just dumb. That, like, that's what we're going to focus on, right? We're focusing on, hmm, let's see. What is it that we don't like? Or what's irrelevant that we can put a new rule in? Like, the NFL does that more than anybody else, and they I'll give them credit. They get it right most of the time, but I just don't think this taunting rule – it the, the taunting calls I have seen, I'm just like, really? That's that's what taunting is? That's that's really what we're going to officiate now? That we're really going to potentially cost a team a game because of that? Seems insane to me. And then what is Tony Carretti doing? I mean, you're, you're backing that thing up? Come on, dude. Stop yeah. it. I, I I didn't understand that part. Like, why would you even get into that? And I believe he was pulling for the flag before he actually, you know, before he actually hit Cassius Marsh. But still, come on. 
it, it's just a it's just a bad look all the way around because you know players have gotten expelled from games rather quickly for brushing up what looked like a much less intentional contact with a ref. So if there's any good news for the Bears here, it's that over the last two games, I think we've seen a real growth in Justin Fields' ability to adjust to the speed of the NFL game. I think there is that. I still think there's a lot of growth and a lot of growth potential needed. Um, but I will say this, man, when you get him on the edge, you know, when he boots out of there and, and has an ability to kind of be a, a sight thrower and just rely more on athleticism um, than he does all the other things you have to do as a quarterback. I mean, processing the game when you're a young player, when you're a young quarterback, it is exceptionally difficult at that position. But when he is just allowed to be an athlete, Boy, I, I tell you what, that guy, that guy has some um, unbelievable athleticism. And, and that throw in the fourth quarter to go up 27-26 was yeah. just an incredible throw. So that that part has got to be really exciting right now if you're a Bears fan. Absolutely. The rest of it probably not so much with the way this season has gone. <laughs> Every year, Mark, it feels like there's one Sunday in the NFL. The term I use is there's a glitch in the matrix. And everything that you thought would happen completely goes the other way. And it certainly felt like it was this past Sunday. But the only thing that went true to form was mm-hmm. the game that you were calling between Minnesota and Baltimore. And we'll do a much deeper dive on the Ravens in a bit. But, you know, once again, Lamar Jackson is a starting quarterback. The Ravens with Lamar are 12-0 and against the NFC. He's never lost. And, oh, by the way, Justin Tucker did what Justin Tucker does. We'll get into all of that a little bit later. But it was crazy. I mean, Dallas gets their starting quarterback back after going on the road with their backup. They, get, they come in against a Denver team that has just traded away Von Miller, and essentially the Broncos almost throw a shutout. There were courtesy touchdowns given at the end of the game. And Dak and the Cowboys offense look like the expansion Dallas Cowboys of 1960 that didn't win a game. It is crazy. And you're right. The glitch of the matrix. I mean, there's always that that Sunday where um, just crazy things happen, right? And, you know, ultimately it's, it's really interesting because you watch this thing go down. You watch games like this happen and you think to yourself, you know, is it real or do we just kind of chalk it up to that crazy weekend on Sunday where yeah. everything goes wrong? and there was part of me today as I was kind of looking at looking at what transpired and I thought, OK, which which one of these glitches in the Matrix actually do I do I just kind of shoo away and which ones do I look at and go, it could there be a larger problem? Yeah. And, and I thought about this. Dallas, I still think Dallas is one of the teams to beat. I still I think agree. they're really good. I, I mean, they came out of here. They looked flat. They didn't execute. There were a ton of drop passes. There were a ton of inaccurate passes by Dak, which is not his thing. He's usually spot on, deadly accurate. They just looked like they got shocked by a team that was kind of desperate, right? Yep. So I felt like, all right, well, I can I can deal with that. I, I still think Dallas is who they are. Jacksonville and Buffalo, I still think, come on, at the end of the day, Buffalo is still a really good team, and Jacksonville is still going to be Jacksonville. Right, but that one was like so crazy, okay? It was a 15-and-a-half-point spread. That is a substantial spread, and Buffalo came in as the number one offense in the NFL, and they didn't get a touchdown, and Josh Allen was sacked by Josh Allen, and Josh Allen was also intercepted by Josh Allen, and Josh Allen recovered a Josh Allen fumble. By the way, that was the first time in the history of the NFL that uh, a quarterback has been sacked by someone who has the same name of him. So that that game was off the charts weird as well, but I think you're right. I think Buffalo's going to be good. 
Yeah, and by the way, if, if Josh Allen could have compute, completed a pass, not the interception, but to himself, yeah. so yeah. you would have had Josh Allen intercepting Josh Allen, Josh Allen catching one from Josh Allen, and then Josh Allen sacking Josh Allen. That would have been tremendous. But anyhow, been I digress. Slam. The only one that I got nervous about, Trey, is Cincinnati. Yeah. And see, here's the thing about – oh, my hair looks tremendous. Here's I the thing. fantastic. Thank you. Here's the thing about that one. Like – Dealing with failure is easy. Dealing with success and prosperity See. and things of that nature, See. that's difficult. This is and why you and I are on the same. I've, I said that all day yesterday and on every interview I did. Dealing with success is hard. And they, they were sky high after that win a few weeks ago against Baltimore, in Baltimore. They scored in, in the third quarter and fourth quarter. They scored 28 unanswered. It was 17-13 onslaught they had the jamar chase 82 yarder off a four yard slant they had the bubble screen and go that they didn't pick up to yazama they had a couple of long touchdown runs and the next thing you know 28 unanswered they're feeling really good about themselves and then they poop in their helmets against the jets and then they get bludgeoned by the cleveland browns by the way i mean you think about the cleveland browns right now and there is something to the broncos Trading away Von Miller, the face of their franchise, right? And I thought about this. I like Von Miller gets traded away, the face of the, the face of the franchise. It's basically saying, hey, we don't believe in the rest of you on this team, and we're preparing for next year. And they go out and respond to it. And then obviously the Cleveland Browns just letting go of OBJ. And that one almost that one felt more like to me, like there's two types of people in this world, Trey. There are people that walk into the room and energize it. And then there are people who walk out of the room and energize it. And it just feels to me that OBJ is one of those guys. You're like, he walks out of the room and go, oh, thank God that guy's gone. That's what it yeah. felt like to me. And I don't know that. I don't have, I'm not in that locker room, but it just felt like there was almost a sudden sigh of relief. Let's go play. Well, listen, you, you use this word a lot. I'm glad, and glad you brought this up because football is a relational business. Mm -hmm. you, you have to have a foundation of trust. The thing about Odell is now there have been two situations where it didn't work out for him. So that's why there's a lot of uh, eyes on him in this situation. But I also believe, Mark, that something in the relationship between Baker and Odell never clicked. And I don't know whether it was on Odell's side or on Baker's side, but you could tell that whatever that bond is mm -hmm. that a quarterback has with a wide receiver that he trusts, it wasn't there for those two in Cleveland. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And then... Hey, listen, man, when your dad is putting videos of you not getting the ball, that it's, it's never – it when, when one of your loved ones creates a Twitter account and starts, you know, bashing the organization on your behalf, it's time to go. Like, you, that can yeah. never – that can never be a thing, ever. Yeah, yeah. That, there was no coming back from that one, basically, no. is what we're saying. And then, of course, the Tennessee Titans who lost – arguably their most important player. And I would argue that outside of maybe one or two quarterbacks, there's no player that's more important to their team's success than Derrick Henry is to the Titans. So they go into to SoFi and play the team that I think you and I thought might be the best team in football in the Los Angeles Rams, and they find a way to win 28-16, to 16, although cobbling it together in a very different way, turnover's a big part of it. Yeah, I, you know, the, the funny thing is, is I think when you go back and look at it, you go, okay, no Derrick Henry – Somebody else is going to have to step up and get those carries. Maybe somebody has that explosion like uh, um, 
What was the cat's name from Cleveland? Uh, that that Dearness Johnson. Remember Dearness when Johnson. he played? When he came in as a third string running back and and blows up the. You think maybe somebody has that kind of day for Tennessee, and then you go, well, that didn't happen. Okay, so it's got to be Tannehill has an explosive day. Well, he only completed 19 passes, and you see yeah. the turnovers created. You see what the defense did for the Tennessee Titans. That's how you know you're a damn good team when. Yeah. Something can happen to you. An injury can happen to you. You can overcome the injury. But at some point, one phase of your football team picks up another phase and you still are a dominant team. That's when you know you're really good. And the Tennessee Titans have basically answered the call every time they've had the opportunity to do it. And that, to me, goes back to you know pride in the organization, understanding what you're doing, having a philosophical approach to what you're doing, everybody on the same page. And, and your coach, Vrabel, yeah. believing in what he is preaching on a week-to-week basis. Um, and when you have that kind of confidence, and I always say this, arrogance is born from a place of um, a place of fear. I haven't really done the work, so let me puff out my chest and let me act like I'm confident. Confidence comes from a place of, I believe in what we're doing. I believe in the structure that we put together here. And, um, and damn it, we're going to go out here and play well. That's where confidence comes from. And they believe in their coach. Well, listen, they should be confident. They're 6-0 and against teams that made the postseason a year ago, and they've been an underdog five times this season. They've won all five of those games. So mm-hmm. there is certainly some swagger they have. Now, it's great to do it in a one-off without your best player. The real challenge for them going forward is can they sustain it over a five- or six-week period, which is going to be the challenge for Mike Vrabel and that coaching staff. Why don't we take a quick break here in the Chop Shop. When we come back, we'll talk about another team that pulled off an amazing win without most of its stars. But then when you realize geography, maybe it wasn't that surprising. Back with that on the next half of the Chop Shop. No two dreams are the same, but there is one van equipped to handle them all. For over 120 years, Mercedes-Benz vans have been built, upfitted, and ready to go because we believe dreams should never stay that way because those who find their passion drive their passion so you can stop following your dreams and start driving them. Back with Mark Schlereth as we break down week nine of the NFL season here in the Chop Shop. And of course, the Arizona Cardinals without Kyler Murray and without DeAndre Hopkins go up to Santa Clara and absolutely punk the San Francisco 49ers. But maybe, Mark, we should have seen this because the Niners in their last nine home games at Levi Stadium, forgetting the games where they had to go play in Arizona last year because of COVID restrictions in the, in the Santa Clara area in California, they're 1-8 and eight in their last nine home games, and I think Arizona is 6-1 and one in their last visits to Levi Stadium. Yeah, incredible. And, and you know, I just keep waiting – like, it, this goes back to just my philosophical approach, you know, and I think about Cliff Kingsbury and I think about um, the air raid offense and I think about all that stuff. And I'll be honest, I'm biased. I look at that seven and come on, not in the NFL, it doesn't work, right? Whatever. Yeah. And then I watch them week in and week out. And uh, I do a radio hit in Arizona every week. So I, I, I watch them and I study them. They're a damn good football team. They may be yeah, the most are. exciting football team in the National Football League. You know, you just don't get to see them very often because they're Arizona. So, uh, you know, they're not ones that we focus on that much. But they didn't have Kyler Murray, obviously. And Colt McCoy goes like 22 or 26. I mean, it's it, ridiculous. Uh, James Conner, who got thrown away out of Pittsburgh. We don't need you. See you around sometime. 
James Conner is just amazing. I scored, I think, three touchdowns in that game, caught the ball well out of the backfield. They just do a lot of things exceptionally well, Trey. And I think the big thing that has changed in watching them and studying them is their commitment to personnel changes. Hey, they're still going to be kind of a spread offense, but their commitment to multiple tight ends, to personnel changes, to formational changes, and to continuing to run the ball even in that realm, even in that um, in, in that system has been what has surprised me, pleasantly surprised me throughout the whole season. Yeah, belief is a powerful thing, and right now Arizona has it. Uh, they, they think they can win a lot of different ways. <laughs> then there's the absolute mess that is the Raiders, and I want to be clear about this, that's the Raiders organization. Because I, I got to give the Raiders a lot of credit because there have been enough things to happen to them over the last month of this season that could have allowed them to crater. And yes, they're coming off a loss on the road uh, against the the Giants in week nine, but it was that classic, you know, West Coast, East Coast, one o'clock start thing. Sometimes that is still an issue for teams. But I, I think the Raiders players have done an amazing job of dealing and winding their way through all this stuff. Because right after the Henry Ruggs disaster of him being drunk behind the wheel, allegedly, well, let's see how it plays out in court, but allegedly he blew it twice the legal limit, 156 miles an hour, killing two people. He's going to jail, I believe, for a very long time because of this. Uh, they have Damon Arnett, uh, who is a cornerback they, they took in the 2020 draft, on social media and TikTok, waving guns, threatening to kill people, which, you know, just real quickly, safety memo. You want to have a job? Don't go on social media waving guns, threatening to kill people. Very, very low bar to cross. I want mm-hmm. to be clear about that. But it, it speaks to a bigger issue to me, Mark, of the Raiders as a front office organization when it was John Gruden and Mike Mayock is still there as the GM. Here's their 2020 draft class. You ready? They had two yeah. first-round picks. Henry Ruggs, he's never playing again. Damon Arnett, released before week 10 of the second season in the NFL. Then they had two third-round picks in Lynn Bowden Jr. and Tanner Muse, who they cut that didn't make a single snap, never played a single snap, either cut or traded. They never played a single snap for the Raiders. They also had a fourth rounder that that they got rid of. This is one of the worst drafts of all time. And, and again, there's the Raiders players, and then there's the Raiders organization. And I think the Raiders organization is doing a horrible job for the Raiders players right now. Yeah, you know, you usually say, hey, man, I'm going to wait to pass judgment on a draft class for three years. You don't need to wait on this one. right? Nope. I mean, um, and here's the thing about the draft. You know, we make such a big deal out of first and, you know, first rounders, essentially anything on the first round. But your roster is made up of second, third, fourth and fifth rounders. That's what it's made up. Of. Two third rounders that never played a snap. Never yeah. played a Unacceptable. snap. I will I will say this. The way they have played and the things that they have gone have had to go through so far this season, um, it's a testament to them that they've, you know, they've won five games and they're I think they're five and three right now. And the yeah. things they're doing, um, it is a hats off to the Raiders players for getting these things done. But you're hundred percent right about the organization. I mean, it just they have made some really, really poor. You can go back beyond that, you know, they they trade away Khalil Mack, and John Gruden comes out and goes, "Wow, it's really hard to find pass rushers." After they draft uh, uh, with the cat, they draft that doesn't even play hardly or doesn't start. Uh, Cleveland Furl. Cleveland Furl. Yeah, Furl. Like, and, and uh, he's a, he's a a backup rotational player as the fourth yeah. overall pick when there were all kinds of guys. Like, I remember 
doing the no draft. One, no one said going into that draft that Cleveland Farrell was the best pass rusher on the board. No one. Yeah, and, and then and the I Raiders just, said, I, hold my beer. Right. And and everybody, like, I don't, you were doing the draft. I was doing the draft. They picked him, and you start scrambling, going, wait a minute, who, let me get, let me get some insight on this guy because I wasn't yeah. prepared for this, right? I wasn't prepared yeah. for him going fourth overall. So, yeah, they, they, they made a, a mess of it. There's no question. Oh, no, by the way, you, you mentioned Kalu Mack and Amari Cooper. Literally none of the picks that they got for all the trading away those two players has been a home run. Josh Jacobs has been okay, but it's a running back, and it's a very replaceable position, and Abram, the safety, has been okay. For, for all the bounty of picks that they got for mm. trading away those two really good players who have gone on to have really good careers uh, outside of the Raider organization, there's really nothing to show for it at this point. But again, there's a separation here between the, the way the players are handling it and the way that it's been dealt to them as an organization. We need to talk about the Ravens because that was the game you called against Minnesota and Lamar Jackson did the Lamar Jackson thing again. Uh, and then no, there's no surer bet in the NFL right now than Justin Tucker in the final minute of regulation or in overtime, he has never missed a kick. He is 17 and zero in his career. And at some point, even after the freaky interception in that game that Lamar Jackson threw on an amazing play by Anthony Barr, you got the feeling if they got the ball back, they're going to win. He's the ultimate, like he's, he's Justin Tucker is Mariano Rivera. Okay. That's the way to describe him right now. He is the closer. When he walks onto the field, it's done. And that has to be such a luxury for John Harbaugh. It really does. And, you know, I said it on the broadcast. I said, I don't, there is not one player in the national football league regardless of position, that's more confident in his position than Justin Tucker is in his position. He walks out there and he knows I'm nailing this. It's not even a question. You want to talk about a guy that has supreme confidence regardless of the situation that he is put in. That is the guy. And you're 100% correct on Lamar. Like, Lamar was not good early in this game. Lamar missed a bunch of wide-open guys. Lamar was off target a bunch. And I tell you what, they just kept grinding, man. They just kept finding a way. They kept running the ball. Lamar kept taking off with the ball. They just kept figuring it out. And then all of a sudden, he finally got kind of a rhythm, got going a little bit, and was just he was just tremendous. They're so uniquely built, Trey, and they're going to get right. They, they have not started playing their best football. They're going to get Nick Boyle back on Thursday night. And you want to talk about tight ends. You know how people always say, when are people going to stop using tight ends to block defensive ends? Wrong answer. Nick Boyle will absolutely shorten your freaking neck. I mean, that's who Nick Boyle is. And, like, they're going to get him back, their running game. The mesh point stuff is going to clean itself up between Lamar and the running backs. Um, They're going to get themselves going here. And I tell you what, it's going to be fun to watch. The Ravens are a legit football team. Just give you an example of what they're doing and how how an outlier it is. I mean, they've had, they've had to come back a lot. Uh, the Ravens this season are three and one in games in which they had a double digit uh, deficit. They had to come back from double digit deficits in the second half. How of an outlier is that? The rest of the NFL this season, when they've been behind by double digits in the second half, is eight and ninety four. Eight and ninety four, right. and the Ravens are three and one in those situations. That's a testament to Lamar. That's a testament to John Harbaugh. And probably the biggest reason why, Mark, this year, and again, it fluctuates. I understand that because of this time last year, I would have said Patrick Mahomes is a runaway MVP. And I think rightfully it went to Aaron Rodgers last year. 
right now, I think you have to look really hard to suggest somebody other than Lamar Jackson as being the most valuable player in football. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair statement. Um, he is just uh, – and the kid is so much fun to be around, Trey. And, and yet the other thing is, you think about that. He leads the league right now in yards per carry, okay? Just yards per carry. He's yeah. the leader. And, oh, by the way, I think completion, like yards per completion. I mean, yeah. this is a – this is a which is crazy when I when I went back to study them – they're not throwing underneath and yards, you know, yards after catch. And they are using seven step drops, seven man protections. He does not boot out and get out of the pocket. They don't half real half field read him. That, that's not who they are. They are a drop back. Let Lamar be deep in the pocket and let him shove the ball down the football field on deep crosses, deep in cutting routes. They mean, that's who they are, and and teams are playing them. Teams don't want to play them in, in a whole lot of man, so teams are playing a lot more zone against them, saying, hey, man, you're going to have to be accurate and throw it into, you know, in between players. You're going to have to layer the ball, and Lamar's going, all right, if that's what I have to do, that's what I have to do. They, uh, he has really progressed and grown as a quarterback in this league. Well, that 3 and one stat proves it because the knock against him going into this year, which was an accurate knock, was that once you get ahead – on mm -hmm. that Ravens offense and how they're built with what they want to do with Lamar, um, they're tough to come back. It's tough for them to come back. Like I said, they're three and one, and the rest right. of the league is eight and ninety-four. Uh, so we'll see how this all shakes out. As we are now officially, officially halfway through the twenty twenty-one NFL season, which seems kind of weird to think, but uh, here we are, and, and we'll see what happens going forward. Always good to catch up with you, my friend, on the Chop Shop. So. Uh, Stay healthy, stay well, and uh, we'll listen to you this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week, okay? Sounds good, buddy.